Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. Thanks for joining us today. I get to start off today by uh, giving an update on our previous mission trip, our last mission trip. Just a few weeks ago, we went to Africa, to northern Uganda, to bless the New Generation Dreamland Children's Home. There's about 103 orphaned children there that we have been doing ministry with for several years. And so we had a team of nine of us that went. This is our our team. But what was interesting is that we had 18 suitcases that went with us. Um, That was kind of a challenge. So each uh, traveler had their own suitcase, and then we had another one full of games and prizes and candy and toys and and a lot of crafts and things like that so we could actually invest into the kids when we got there. So we had a bunch of suitcases. Um, One of the first things we did when we got there was to do some art projects with them. They love painting and drawing. They don't get a chance to do it very often. So we bring all of the paints along and the supplies, and we let them do that. They also uh, created jewelry. That was the first time we've had them do this before. So we brought along uh, uh, tools and supplies so that they could create jewelry. And uh, we, we ended up selling, or they ended up selling some of that jewelry back to us. Um, and we're going to sell that to you here in a little while. So... <laughs> I'll talk about that in a second. Um, We also bought them new clothes. This is a picture of when uh, the bundles of clothes were laid out and they were finding uh, what fit whoever. And then we bought them a bunch of sandals as well. Um, So all of the kids ended up with clothes and sandals. Here's a a photo of a couple of them that had it. And I say kids. uh, These are the children that we've been doing ministry with for many years. And so they're growing up, you know. um, But some of them... Even though they might be 19, 20 years old, they're still in like uh, middle school. So they're, you know, their education lagged behind. And so we're in that process of educating them. Um, while we were there, Tony put up new gutters and downspouts to collect water. That was fun, wasn't it, Tony? Yeah, that's a great time. <clears throat> the reason that's important, though, is water is scarce around there. The wells are few and far between, and there's lines to get the water. And so whenever it rains, and when it does rain, it really pours. Um, we had these gutters set up along the dormitories to go into those big tanks, just that tank behind there. That was Tony's project, was to put up some more gutters, uh, set up another tank like that, run downspouts to all of them, repair the ones that were up there. And so he did a great job with that. Uh, one of the things we got to do for the first time was do baptisms in the Nile River, uh, of many of these, these children were baptized, and we also did an evangelistic outreach there too. Um, can you see the alligator right behind me? No. I was sure there was one behind me the whole time, though. But that was super exciting. And then we ended uh, the last day with the kids with this huge feast. Uh, they don't normally get Coca-Cola or uh, chicken, and um, we had a goat, and we had sheep as well. So they had a lot of great food that last day. They always look forward to... Uh, that celebration. And something exciting that we got to do for the first time this past year was we got to send four kids to college. How cool is that? You know? These four boys, uh, one of them, James there um, on the left, he's been there for in the the orphanage for 15 years. And uh, he came 
in a desperate situation, uh, may not be alive today if it wasn't for the ministry of New Generation Dreamland. And, uh, but we were able to actually get him all the way through school, accepted into college, um, took him down to college, actually, and got him into school with those other three boys. And that's the first-generation college attender. How cool is that? So we're super excited about that. Uh, we were able to do all of this because of your generous donations. We, every week, say 10% of everything that you give, we give back to Outreach and Missions. And so uh, we set aside this money for missions, and we were able to, to pay for all of that, do all of those donations, um, as well as get them into school this fall because of your generosity. But I will tell you, in order for them to continue to be in school next year, um, we're going to need some more financial support from all of you. And so we have an event coming up on November 3rd. I hope you put this on your calendar and plan on coming. Uh, we're going to give more information about this, but it's called Dream On. Uh. <sighs> I sat with every kid and asked them what they want to be when they grow up this past trip. And they have dreams of being doctors and lawyers and electricians and mechanics and construction workers. The only way that can come possible for them is if we support them. But the cool thing is it's happening. They are becoming those things because of our financial support, your financial support. And so in order to keep that dream going so they can continue to dream on. <laughs> ah. All right, so they can continue to dream on. Well, we need you guys to be uh, supporters for them. So hopefully you'll come on Friday, November 3rd when we give you more information and give you an opportunity to help them. All right. Whew. Done with that. All right, to introduce our series, uh, watch this video. Have you ever heard something said so many times that it becomes the truth? The world says many things over and over and people start to believe them. But Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I am super excited about our message series that we're in right now called Truth and Lies. And every week we're taking a look at a lie that is pervasive in our culture today. It's, it's perpetrated as the truth. And then we are cross-examining it with the Word of God, which is the foundation of truth. And so if you missed last week's uh, message when we were introducing the series, I would encourage you to go back and uh, find it online and watch it. It's very foundational for the series. It's called What is Truth? What is Truth? All right, so... Has anyone seen this post going around social media? I'll read it to you. It says, a Chinese businessman has shared this image saying that happiness of children is the most valuable thing in the world. A million dollar worth Lamborghini is nothing in front of that. So he allows the kids to jump and play on this Lamborghini. The best part is that the kids are not his and neither is the Lamborghini. <laughs> But there is a trend in our society today that says that children's happiness, our children's happiness is the most important thing, 
right? It is the most important thing. I remember when uh, our kids were young. We have five children between the two of us, me and Rose. And uh, when they were young, we had certain things that made them happy. So I created a top five list. My son Ben is here in the front, so he can verify if they're true. So top five Schwartz children happiness producers. Okay. So number five was staying up past their bedtime. Yeah, there was a nod. Yeah, the kids loved to stay up past their bedtime. That would really make them happy. Number four was watching TV and movies. I got a head shake on that one, too. Yep. Number three was video games. Yes, big, big head shake on that one if I wanted to make them happy. Number two was sleeping in because if you let them stay up late, you have to let them sleep in, right? They love that. But number one in our, in our household was ice cream. If I wanted to make my kids happy, we just ate ice cream. I mean, our, some of our kids would eat ice cream morning, noon, and night. I mean, they just would. So now on the other hand, I also made a top five list. I don't know if you've seen this, man. Top five unhappiness producers. Number five was vegetables. Our kids did not like eating vegetables. You were okay with that? Yeah, you're okay with that. Okay. Let's get some broccoli in you and then we'll see you. All right. All right. Um, Number four was doing their chores. They did not like to do their chores. Number three was helping in the garden. <laughs> they did not like sitting there snapping beans or weeding or doing anything regarding the garden. But still don't. Number two was doing their homework. Um, that was an immediate way to create unhappiness in my household was to say, go do your homework. And then number one, of course, is discipline. None of my kids were happy after they were disciplined. Not once. Not once. Um, but if the goal for raising my children was just their happiness, I would have just done the top five, right? The first list, the one that made them happy all the time. But then you wouldn't think that I was a very good parent, would you? If that's all I did was give them ice cream, let them watch TV and play video games and stay up all night, right? As parents... Our children's happiness is important, but it is not the most important thing. It should not be the most important thing. Let me give you another example. I'm taking a group of men to Canada on a wilderness trip in a couple of weeks. And the goal of this trip is to train them to be future leaders of these trips. And let me just assure you, their happiness is not my number one goal, right? Because the reality is, is that if I want to train them to be leaders, I can't focus just on their personal happiness. I don't think that it's God's goal either on those trips to make us entirely happy. I have a friend who went with me for several years. His name is Joel. And he would go up on these trips. And uh, he loved going up into the wilderness, canoeing and paddling and all those things. But every time it rained... Oh, man, he would just be mad. He'd be like, I can't believe it's raining. Why doesn't God want me to be happy? I can't believe it. He would just like get so mad and angry. Every time he went with me, guess what happened? It rained. I'm sure that God had a bigger plan for his life than just his personal happiness on those trips. I'm not sure he ever got it, but I'm hoping he did by now. Our happiness is not God's main focus. Now, there are people who believe that our happiness is. Um, there are churches that preach that our happiness is the most important. Anyone ever heard of the prosperity gospel? 
Yeah. Anyone ever attended a church that, you don't have to raise your hand, <laughs> that preached the prosperity gospel? This is what it is. The teaching that faith expressed through positive thoughts, positive declarations, and donations to the church, of course, draws health, wealth, and happiness into believers' lives. Basically, the teaching is that God's will for your life is for you to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. And I mean, I, that would be great if that really was the plan. But unfortunately, what happens is people buy into that, and then when their life isn't full of healthy, wealthy, and happiness, then it shakes the foundation of their belief system. Guys, our happiness is not God's main focus. Several years ago, I was doing marriage counseling with this lady who came in, and she was um, very unhappy with her marriage, and she was planning on filing for divorce. Now, as I talked to her, I said, all right, so tell me about what's going on. I found out that the husband wasn't abusive. He wasn't mean. He hadn't had an affair. He wasn't unkind. He just wasn't able to make her happy. And so she said something like this in that meeting. She said, I'm not happy, and God, of course, wants me to be happy, so I'm getting a divorce. And she ended up divorcing her husband because he didn't make her happy. See, if we believe in our marriage that our spouse is supposed to always make us happy, right, and if God's plan for us is happiness, then our spouse must not be God's plan for our lives. And that's what she believed. She divorced her husband to try to find happiness. See, I believe it's a lie that all God cares about in our lives is our happiness. Now, I don't think that his goal is to make us unhappy, but God has greater plans in our lives than our happiness. You can turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. That's where we'll be. It'll also be on the screen. James is near the end of the New Testament, right after Hebrews. And the book of James was written by the brother of Jesus. History uh, names him uh, James the Just. That was one of his nicknames. He was also known as Old Camel Knees. Old Camel Knees. And the reason for that was because he spent... Legend has it, he spent so much time in prayer for the church that his knees became calloused and hard like a camel's knees. So he was known as that. So James loved the church. He loved the church. And so if you look at this chapter, this is how he opens his letter to the church. He says, James, a servant of God and of the, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 nations, I'm sorry, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James knew that the church was going to go through trials, and so he addresses it right up front. Our message title today is, Doesn't God Want Me Happy?, doesn't he want me happy? Wealthy, healthy, and happy, right? I'm going to give us uh, three truths 
from this scripture, uh, but first let me pray. God, I pray that you would speak through me and to us. Holy Spirit, have your way in our hearts and minds. And God, I pray that you would give me your words to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Doesn't God want me happy? Well, the truth is life will make us unhappy. It will happen. James starts off his letter and says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So right up front, he's saying, you're going to face trials of many kinds. Not just a trial, not one trial, but trials of all kinds. In fact, uh, the word trials can be translated as adversity. You're going to face adversity. You're going to face difficulties. Life is going to happen, and it's not always going to be good. Jesus went on to tell his disciples something very similar to this. He said this, if the world hates you in John chapter 15, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Jesus made it clear to his disciples. He said, if you're going to follow me, people are going to hate you. People are going to persecute you. You're going to go through trials and tribulations. It's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but if somebody doesn't like me, it doesn't make me happy, right? I mean, it's just one of those things where you're like, oh, it doesn't make you happy. Jesus went on to say in, in chapter 16 of John, verse 33, 33, he says, in this world you will have trouble. So Jesus is really selling this, you know, follow me thing. He's saying to his disciples, they're going to hate you. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to have all kinds of trouble. Come follow me. Jesus did not preach the prosperity gospel. He preached the truth. And the truth is, this world is going to make you unhappy. You're going to have trials. You're going to have problems in this world. Sometimes you're going to have problems because you simply are a follower of Jesus. Other problems, they just happen. Life happens. So why did his disciples continue to follow him? Why should we continue to follow Jesus if it's going to be hard? There is so much more available to us than just our happiness as a follower of Christ. Here's your second point. The truth is God wants us to be joyful. There's a difference between happiness and joy. James says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. See, happiness is found through external circumstances. Let me give you an example. So we went on this 10, 11-day mission trip, and we were tired. We had a 24, 36-hour trip, you know, flight back, all our flights and traveling. And we got to Chicago, and we went to claim our luggage. We had people who were driving to Chicago to pick us up. <clears throat> so we went to go claim our luggage. And three of us had the unfortunate uh, experience of having our luggage not show up. So myself and Rochelle, 
and uh, Melissa, we all went and stood there, and everybody else got their luggage. You know, it was this, these luggage bags that had the nice green, neon green ribbon tied to them, and ours did not come out on the conveyor belt, and we we're like, oh, kind of made us sad. So, so we logged, and on the drive back, we called and said, hey, our luggage is not here, and so um, they made us go online, and we logged this delayed luggage report. And they said that they would update us. And you could log in and you could look at an update. Unfortunately, over the next 10, 11 days, there was no updates. Everything looked the same when you went online. So we had to call. Um, but when you would call, it was at least a 30-minute wait, if not an hour. And so Rochelle and myself and Melissa, we got this three-way text, and we're texting back and forth and saying, did you call this today, and what did they tell you, and all of this, and we started hearing fables from these people telling us where our luggage is, so they said it was in, it was still in Uganda, oh, it was in Brussels, it actually was in Chicago, and then they started saying, it's on its way to South Bend, it will be there today at 1230, and so I'm like, all right, Rose and I went there, and we watched all the luggage come out, and mine did not come out. I stood there, oh, I was happy, and then I was sad. And then Melissa went there, and, and she did the next you know, round, and she stood there, and they said, it's coming, and, and all the luggage came out, and it didn't come out. And she texted the group text, she said, I'm standing here with tears in my eyes as our luggage did not show up again. And then Rochelle, she took a tour as well, and again, the same thing, like, it'll be there, and it wasn't there time and time again. And so we call and call, and, and they kept telling us, and emotionally, we were going from happy it's coming to sad it's not here, happy it's coming to sad it's not here. Eventually, Rochelle's luggage showed up. Uh, they called and said, hey, we're delivering it today. We, none of us believed it, but it did show up, and she was so excited. She got her luggage, but it wasn't the right bag. She had two bags that were lost. One was her personal bag, but the other one was all of the children's artwork and the, the jewelry and the stuff that we brought back for this event, and it wasn't there, and so she was sad. And then she got another call, and it was, it's, it's coming, and then it showed up, and then she was happy, and then Melissa and I were like, we're really happy for you, but we're really sad on the inside, you know, because hers showed up, and ours did not, and so then we heard that my luggage, it was in Chicago, it was in Chicago, but now it was in San Diego, I'm like, oh, now I'm sad, and then they said, no, but it's coming back to Chicago, and then I was happy, and then they said, it's going to show up in Chicago, and I'm like, are you sure? So John Burke and I were meeting at noon, and I said, John, you want to go for a drive? And we'll go stand by the, <laughs> the conveyor belt, you know, and talk. And so we went over to the airport, and I stood there, and, and I'm telling you, like, all the luggage is coming. All of it's coming, and none of it's mine. And I'm like, oh, I'm sad. And then around the corner came this, and I took a photo of it. That's my suitcase. <laughs> I could not believe it. I had to take a photo. I was so happy. And I was just like, just really talkative on the way back to the church. I was so happy. And then Melissa's like, I'm really happy for you. And but she was sad, you know? Now hers got delivered the next day. And so we ended up with all of our suitcases. Praise God for all of that. Um, but I say all of that, I say all of that to just illustrate like our happiness was completely determined by our external circumstances, right? I mean, whether it came or not or whatever, it was like our happiness or lack thereof was completely based on our external circumstances. But 
God wants us to have joy regardless of our circumstances, and it can happen. We can have joy in the midst of trial. James said, consider it pure joy when you're facing trials of many kinds. The words happy or happiness are only mentioned 26 times in the NIV version of the Bible. Joy or rejoice are mentioned 335 times. So if you think about that, over 10 times more. And again, it's not that God doesn't care about our happiness. He just cares a lot more about our joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Joy comes from within us through the Holy Spirit. It's available for us regardless of our situations. Happiness is fully determined by our external circumstances. Joy is not. Joy is determined by the Holy Spirit within us. It's available to each of us. So if you're struggling with finding joy, look inside. Look to God. Look look to the Holy Spirit. And James also then gave us a little bit of a reason to have joy. He said this, and this is point number three. Well, he didn't say this, but joy is found in the big picture. What he said in James chapter 1 is that he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because, he says, consider it pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James is saying, have joy, be joyful, because there is a bigger picture. There are bigger things happening here. Because of your trials, you can develop perseverance. You know, we cannot develop perseverance without the trial. And when we persevere, when we endure, when we do well, then we become mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I think that we all want to be mature and complete, not lacking anything, right? We want that. But we don't want the trial, (laughs) But we have to go through the trial to get to the point of being mature and complete. And so James is saying, hey, you're going through trials. I see it. Be joyful. What? No, be joyful. Look at the big picture. You have an opportunity to grow to maturity and completeness that others may not have. Look at the big picture. So when we're going through difficult times, we need to ask ourselves, what is God doing? What can he do in this trial? What can he do inside of me? What can he do through me? Look at the big picture. It'll help you to find joy in that situation as well. Now Jesus... uh, He never asked us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. Jesus went through something much more difficult than what you and I probably have ever gone through. He was arrested 
He was beaten. He was mocked. He was spit on. They pounded a thorn of crowns into his head. He was whipped and struck. And then he was nailed to a cross and left there to die. And he did. He died. Terrible trial. And we all know that Jesus endured it, right? We know that he endured it historically. But he also had joy in it. He found joy in it. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus saw the big picture. He knew that his pain had a purpose. He knew that his death on the cross was the payment for my sins and for yours. And because of that, we had an opportunity. We do have an opportunity to go to heaven one day. So as Jesus was hang, hanging there on the cross, enduring the pain and the suffering and the humiliation, Scripture says he had joy. He had joy because he saw what his death on the cross was doing for all of us. He was able to have joy in the suffering. So how about you? Have you been going through a difficult time? Have you had situations in your life recently that have made it difficult to be happy? I know that at those times, sometimes the thought comes through my mind, does God even know what I'm going through? Does he, does he see what's going on? And let me just tell you that God sees it. He knows it. And it breaks his heart when our heart is breaking. He loves us through it. But he loves us so much that God is not going to just fill our lives with what makes us happy. There's so much more in our lives that we need to walk through. He's going to allow us to go through it. But what he does have available for us in those moments is joy. He doesn't leave us alone. He sent the Holy Spirit to be there in our hearts to bring peace, forbearance, love, and joy. It's available to each of us. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, God is working it out for our good. And so we can have joy in knowing that this trial, this struggle, is producing something good. Sometimes within me, sometimes within others. But it is producing something good. Your last fill-in says, joy comes by believing that God is still for us. Joy comes by believing that God is still for us. He's not against us. Even when we're going through difficult times, God is still for us. He's in our corner, and he's going to produce good things as a result. So the truth is, life will make us unhappy. God wants us to be joyful, and joy is found in the big picture. 
Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.